This is a familiar chapter if you've been in the book of Acts ever before. And if you have not studied the book of Acts, you'll probably recognize the story. The book of Acts chapter 3. We just came through um, a powerful moment that forever marked history. The day of Pentecost. Now there are historians that will tell you that the, the church began in Rome. And they will tell you that the first pope was Peter. That is not the case. Now there was a church that started in Rome. And they claimed that Peter was their pope. But it was not the church. It is not the church that Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church. Because... This Peter that they declare was their first pope. I want to tell you something. On the day of Pentecost, the Jewish feast in Jerusalem, when it was fully come, it was that Peter that stood up and declared to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That man that they declare was the first pope was baptized in Jesus' name and was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it was a day that forever marked history. There was not a church before this and no other church after this. It is the church that is called by the name, purchased by the blood of Jesus. And I give the Lord thanks today that I have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. And so it was told to these disciples that they would receive power in Acts chapter 1 after the Holy Ghost came on them to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth by Acts 2. They are waiting in Jerusalem for approximately 10 days for the Spirit to be poured out in the upper room. It is poured out on them. Then they walk out of the upper room and about 3,000 are not blessed, not just baptized, added to the church. Added to the church. That means they quit their sinning. They got in the church. 3,000 of them. But we want to see if that power that was promised to them is truly given to them. Let's go to Acts chapter 3. Peter and John. Does everybody here agree that Peter and John were there at the day of Pentecost? Okay. So these two went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour both of them filled with the holy ghost both of them baptized in jesus name and they still had to have a prayer life how about it now just one chapter ago they were all filled with the holy ghost and now can you believe they're going to the church to pray what a thought and there was a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried he could not walk on his own and they laid him at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple who seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple they asked for it he asked them for alms and Peter fastening his eyes upon him 
with John said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them. What was he doing? He was expecting to receive something from them. He got excited. He said, I need some mun. No mun, no fun. He said, look over here. Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. And he said, ooh, maybe I found somebody that will give me a little money. And then comes the letdown. This is my testimony right here. This is, this is how I do it right here when I'm walking down the street. Got any money? Got any money? Silver and gold, have I none? Silver and gold, have I none? Silver and gold. I don't have any cash on me, buddy. Sorry. I don't have any cash. And I can see the letdown in this man's face. Oh, look over here at us. Look at us. Look at us. We don't have any money. Oh, but such as I have, I give to thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, not in the name of John. Not in the name of Peter. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Get up and walk. And he took him by the right hand. And he lifted him up. Folks, you got you to watch this. I'm going to preach it to you in a minute. But notice the language right here. He took him by the right hand and he lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. That was a testimony, was it not? Amen. I want to preach to you today. Rise up and walk. Rise up. Rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want you to turn your, turn around, put your Bibles down, your iPads, your iPhones just set them down on the pew for just a second. And when you set it on the pew next to you, say, God, let this pew be filled next Sunday morning. In Jesus' name. Let's raise our hands towards heaven right now. Father, let your word find good soil in this house today. Speak. Lord, let there be a sovereign move of your hand in this house. Let it be, almighty God, that your glory is revealed to us. And we're going to give you the thanks, the praise, and the glory in Jesus' name. Let the church shout, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise God. Now, this is a chapter that, to be quite honest with you, I have to kind of pick and choose what I want to preach because it's powerful. At first glance, when you look at this chapter, you see two men who have been endued with power from on high, continuing steadfastly in their prayer life. Now, Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 is a powerful picture of what it's supposed to be like after Pentecost in your life, okay? So let me take just a moment right here and kind of disciple your thinking just a little bit. There is a misnomer in the minds of people that they come to Jesus and give their life to him. And that that is a statement that they make. I gave my life to the Lord. What does that mean? What does it mean when you say, I gave my life to Jesus? Because if you're still doing what you always did, acting how you always acted, living the way you've always lived, what did you give him? 
What have you given the Lord if you're baptized in water and you're baptized in spirit, but when you leave the house of God, you just keep doing what you always did? Now, I want to, I want to bring your attention to a fact today that I feel like this is a pretty good trade-off. When I say I gave my life to the Lord, that means something was exchanged. Because my life is far from perfect. So your background really does not matter. It does not matter if you were a sot drunk. It doesn't matter if you were an alcoholic. It doesn't matter if you were a drug addict. It doesn't matter if you were addicted to sexuality and pornography and sin and gross darkness. That all becomes irrelevant because you gave that life to the Lord. It doesn't matter if you're sitting at, at the well with the Messiah and you've had five husbands and the one that you're with right now isn't your own. Something changes when you have encountered his goodness. You've got to give him something. Now, here's what I don't understand is why people would say, I gave my life to the Lord, but then they keep what they gave him. To me, it's a pretty good trade-off because I can take my sin and my shame and the reproach that I have caused and all of the pain that I have inflicted and I can give that to him but in return he'll give me life and joy he'll give me peace and strength and comfort he'll give me what I've been looking for I want to tell you today that if you've been looking for joy in a bottle but have not found that joy give the bottle to Jesus and he'll give you the joy I'm trying to hold myself right here. I want to preach to you, but I, I got to hold it together right here. Some of you have been looking for answers in a pill, but it's only temporary. Can I tell you right now that I know a God that can give you peace of mind that'll go so far beyond what that pill can ever do for you. It won't just be momentary. It won't just last for a second. I know a God that will exchange with you. Somebody shout, what a deal. We got any bargain hunters in here? I know the bargain hunters come out by the scads at this time of year. Some of y'all been waiting for this coming Friday all year. That says a lot about our culture. When they want something bad enough, they'll sleep on the sidewalk all night to get it. Uh-oh. I have yet to come to church on a Sunday morning and find anybody sleeping in their car waiting for me to open the door. So, the deal of a lifetime is to take all of your failure and all of your shame and all of your sin and all that you have ever done and give it to Jesus. But you've got to give it to him. So, Acts 2 and 42 the Holy Ghost has been poured out. They've been baptized in Jesus' name. 3,000 are added to the church that day. But they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued in fellowship. No, notice with me very quickly. They continued in the apostles' doctrine, not the apostles' creed. There was no such thing as an Apostles' Creed. 
They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What doctrine do the apostles have? Well, the only doctrine that they've taught so far in the book of Acts chapter 2 is repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and this promise is unto you and to your children and all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That, my friend, is the apostles' doctrine. It's the apostles' doctrine. They believe, the apostles believed in one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Come on, Ephesians 4 and 5. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, Woo! who is through all, and who is in you all. What were they continuing in the apostles' doctrine? They believed that there was one Lord. They believed that that Lord robed himself in flesh and dwelt among us. They believed that you had to be baptized in the name of that Lord. They believed that the name of that Lord was Jesus, Yeshua, for he will save his people from their sins. So when people look at the church and they wonder where the power came from, it did not just come from their baptism. It did not just come from the infilling of the Holy Ghost. True power comes from people who will continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Now, I want to show you something very, very quickly, if I could. 242, they continued in the apostles' doctrine. Now, there's a lot of differences in the Greek and the English language, but this is one place where it stands. Doctrines are not mentioned. There is no plurality in the language. There is a doctrine. Thus, it's a dangerous place to be when you start taking parts of the doctrine out that you don't like and making your own doctrines. That is why the Holy Scripture saith and not the Pentecostal preacher that whosoever adds to or takes away from the words of this book is bringing damnation to himself. I want to tell you folks today that the reason I feel so strongly about this precious book is because it is not my doctrine. It is the apostles' It is the apostles' doctrine. It is not a doctrine of diversity. It is not a doctrine of pick what part you want. It is not a denominational doctrine. It is a Bible doctrine. And it's the doctrine that we've got to hold fast to the profession of. And so when someone tries to get you to start dividing some things, I've had much conversation with some of the young ministry in our church concerning the idea that there are people now saying we need to focus more on the essential doctrines. Which are... Like... Which part? They said you, you, you need to focus more on the essential doctrines. Well, that's hard. 
Because if it's essential, that, then, then all of a sudden, doctrine becomes plural. Because then you got essential doctrine and not essential doctrine. So which, you know, which is which? How much diversity can you actually have in your theology and still hold fast to the doctrine? Can you baptize just any way you want to baptize? So if you don't have anywhere to dunk them, you just sprinkle them. Well, why not? Why can't we? I mean, God knows my heart. You've heard me say this before, but I, I don't believe the scripture is just symbolic, okay? I, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not that kind of guy. Like, when Jesus said, take eat, this is my body and drink, this is my blood, I feel like when we celebrate the Passover of Jesus, uh, that, like he did with his disciples, and we take of the, the cup and the bread, I believe it, it, it may be Manischewitz, kosher, when we pour it into the cup. But I believe that when that hits my mouth, I, I'm just telling you what I believe. I believe when that enters my body, it is the blood of Jesus. That's what I believe. And I believe when I take that piece of unleavened bread that has been kneaded in my, in my, my mother's hand, she still makes it for us every year, and she takes that and lays it out on a stone. I, I believe I know every ingredient that's in that. I watched her make it. I've stood there. We, we bless it, and we break it. I understand what's in it. I get that. But when I take that little piece of bread and I put that in my mouth, I am partaking of the body of Christ in remembrance of him. I believe that. And so when someone, when the scripture says that someone is buried with him in baptism, I don't believe that's symbolic. Because Paul said, my old man was crucified with Christ. I believe that when you're baptized in Jesus' name, that you are buried with him. All of that life that you gave him, that sin and that shame and that reproach, you don't have to carry that anymore. You don't have to drag your condemnation into the house of God on Sunday morning. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in. How do I get in Christ Jesus? You are buried with him in baptism. If you want to get in Christ, you got to be baptized in his name. Somebody shout buried. Oh my. Now, I know that as time progresses, there are different types of burial. Cremation is becoming more and more famous and popular in the States. For one thing... If we continue on the state that we're in right now, and the Lord doesn't come, we're not going to have anywhere to bury people. So, every funeral director that I've talked to tells me now that over 50% of their business is cremation. So, obviously that's a little bit different. But I'm just saying to you, if someone is still fully in their body... And they are buried in a cemetery. But the cemetery workers are only willing to sprinkle them. 
That will be the last time I visit them. Anybody here want to go to a sprinkle cemetery? No. I mean, come on, folks. Come on. I'm talking about six feet is all right with me. Because I don't, I, don't, I don't want anything showing above the ground that's supposed to be in the ground. Come on now. And so if I'm only sprinkled in baptism, I want to know what part you sprinkled. I'm just going to be honest with you right now. There's some folk in here that I've baptized. There ain't a sprinkle good enough. I baptized some of y'all. I know what you were, but I know what you are today. And it takes more than a sprinkle to wash that away. I'm glad that I've been buried in the name of Jesus. I'm glad that I continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And so here's, here's where we're at. Here's where we're at. We have got some men... That took it serious to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And in the next chapter after the day of Pentecost, these men are still continuing in prayer and in fellowship and in supplication and breaking of bread. And they're on their way to the temple. They're on their way to the temple and they're headed for prayer. Now, Here's the little principle, and I'll get to my sermon in just a minute. I'll preach. I'm, this is all introduction. So we get to the third chapter, and they're on their way to pray. But this man looks at them expecting. So my question is this. Do you believe that this is the first time they've prayed that day? So they, they don't just set like one time a day to pray. They didn't, they didn't wait to go for prayer. You know what I believe? I believe they started praying at 6 o'clock that morning. I believe they prayed at the noonday. I believe that the reason why they could say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee, is because they had already put something in their hands that day. And here's the reverse idea of that. Some of us wait to pray when we meet the lame man. It's a terrible time to call on the name of the Lord when the first time he's heard from you all day is, we need you to show up right here. But if I'll begin my day with him, then that means everywhere I go, He's as close as the mention of his name. That's why they could say beyond a shadow of a doubt, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. I brought Jesus with me to the temple today. I brought Jesus with me to your dilemma today. I didn't leave him in the temple. I'm not going in here to pick him up. I brought him with me this morning. I didn't just come to your house to pray for you and invite Jesus here. I know he's here because I brought him with me. We need him. We need him. Now, let me show you something. 
He looked at them expecting. And so Peter and John, they give this old powerful phrase. Silver and gold have I none. You can break this down, turn it into a Wednesday night. Their focus was not possession. That did not mean that Peter and John did not have any money. It means that this man had more need than money. And rather than enabling you to stay like this, see, I'm staying pretty calm right now, but it feels awful good up in here. Instead of me enabling you to stay like you are, let me give you something that will get you up out of this mess. So that tomorrow you don't have another day like you've had since your birth. You know what this tells me? Once you've encountered Jesus, you will never be the same again. There is no amount of money, no amount of gold, no amount of... Oh, God. No amount of silver that could buy from you. If they gave him silver and the healing, then there would always be value and price on the healing. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody could buy you out. Such as I have. Such as I have. Such as I have. Such as I have. I remember having a conversation many, many years ago with my granddad. We were talking about empty hands in the church. He probably don't even remember. I don't know. Empty hands. Somebody say empty hands. It's a dangerous place to be. Silver and gold. Have I none? And I don't have anything else to give you. Empty hands. Billy McCool said something one time. Bishop, Bishop McCool said something. I remember hearing him preach it when I was a kid. And I've never forgotten about it. It's always stuck with me. He said, Peter and John looked at the lame man at the gate. Said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. He said, if it were to be the church of today, we would look at the lame man and say, silver and gold have we plenty. But such as you need, we don't have any. Amen. You can be seated. (laughs) You know what it's going to take to get what they need? We're going to have to call on God before we get to them. You've got to carry something with you into that hospital room that is greater than their drug addiction. And you are not. I am not more powerful than cancer, but I do know who is. I am not more powerful than addiction to drugs, but I do know who is. Oh, God. There are some things that money just can't buy. Or Simon the sorcerer would have bought the Holy Ghost because he tried. So, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up. And walk. How many people. Have we seen. Oh boy. Everybody got your seatbelt on. This is a powerful command. Because he did not command him to rise up. Some of you might know where I'm going right here. 
But if we're not careful, Pentecost is going to turn into a rise up movement. Where we empower people to rise up. But they don't walk. We throw them in the baptistry. And they rise up. But they don't walk. My goodness gracious, it's so quiet in here, I heard a rat licking ice. Rise up. We like rise up preaching. We love rise up preaching. Because it's the kind of preaching that when we're feeling a little low, we can come in and get entertained for a minute. Ooh, I think I feel some strength. You felt enough strength to stand up. But if you don't have something in your spirit, when the preacher stops preaching, you'll sit back down. Man, I'm trying right now, but I feel the preacher in the house. He didn't look at him and say, rise up. He said, rise up and walk. In other words, God don't just want to touch you and make you feel good. God wants to show you a brand new way of living. I don't just want rise up preaching. I don't want to go to a conference and get plugged in. I want the kind of preaching that will get in my spirit and will teach me how to walk right, how to talk right, how to live right, how to be a man of God. I don't want to rise up and go back to bed at the gate. Let, 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 let me preach this for just a minute. Stay with me. Oh, God, help me right now. Man, I'm having a hard time. Let, let, let's, let's look at it together. It said this, this was a lame man, lame from his birth. And he was carried to the gate. You know, like we, you know why we like rise up preaching? Because we can rise up and get feeling good. But we don't mind somebody still having to carry us tomorrow. If the choir was up here, I'd preach to them. Rise up preaching. Rise up preaching. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Come on, we've heard it. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready for what? Get ready for a blessing. Okay, I'll take the blessing. But what am I going to do after that? You going to carry me tomorrow? Why would he want him to rise up if he wasn't going to walk? How is God glorified when people just get encouraged but nothing changes? Oh, I feel my strength. I feel my help. I feel my help. I feel my help. Hey, man, we love you, brother. Lights go out. Church is over. I sure hope pastor brings something next weekend that encourages me. And then the choir starts on Sunday night, and we start feeling, ooh, ooh, what's that I'm feeling? What am I feeling? I think, whoa. And the sermon comes across, faith, we walk by faith, walk by, oh, I don't know about that, I'm not walking. 
I don't know. I'd, I'd rather just rise up. Because if I rise up, people may still pass by here. And although I look like I rose up, they still may have pity on me. Rise up! And walk. Now, I know y'all are thankful for the gentle touch of your pastor. That would have been a great time to say amen. Go to verse 7. I want to help somebody right here. Eli, will you come help me, but I won't embarrass you, I promise. I want to draw a picture for y'all. That's one handsome dude right there, ain't it? Come on, bud. Just sit right there, bub, if you don't mind on the bottom step. When I grow up, I want to dress like that. Silver and gold have I none. Such as I have. The, the preaching has already happened. But no action. Stimulation, but no activation. Oh, God. And he, who's he? Let's back up to verse 6. I want to be sure we're on the same page. Who's talking? Okay, so let's go to verse 7. Who's he? Peter, okay. Not the Pope, Peter. Sorry. Which hand did you hurt? Okay, good. I need your right one. Stay right there for just a second. You're still lame. Yeah, there you go. See, he, he's ready to rise up, but he was like, I ain't about to just rise up on this rascal. And he took him by the right hand. Watch this now. I want to show you how faith activates. Silver and gold have I none, such as I have give I thee. That's the word of faith. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Folks, listen to me. This man has not been healed yet. No strength in his ankles. Has not stood up. Peter said, I'm not satisfied to just preach the word. I'm going to grab hold of what I've been preaching to and we're going to have a miracle in this place. He reached down and he lifted him up and immediately. Now I just want you to dance over there. Go ahead. Just jet. Immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Verse 8. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them. I heard the word. But I need something to activate. And he took him by the hand before there was any evidence at all. Before there was any evidence at all. He took him by the hand and said, get up. You're going to church with me. Now I want to tell you, evidence is tough. Really tough. Two years ago in December, I had a picture I was going to send to them and slipped my mind. Two years ago in December, I have a picture of me sitting with a broken little boy in the floor at Riley Hospital. It was a sad time. My wife and I had gone in November to preach in Kentucky. And I received a call that we had us a sick little boy. 
did not know what we were going to do. And so I called the leadership of the church while I was preaching. I had just checked into the hotel. And I said, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or anything. But I said, I may not be here to preach tomorrow. Man, what in the world's going on? I said, we got a sick little boy that has had a brain aneurysm. And they don't think he's going to live. That was the news we got. And so this church family immediately began to bind together in prayer. We began to seek God and believe God for a miracle. And I'm going to be frank with you, church, okay? No offense, Brother Diaz. (laughs) I'm going to be very transparent and honest with you right now. I've had days that I wondered how and if and when God was going to do it. Brother David, can you come help me this morning for just a second? There were people in this church that have prayed for this precious boy and will continue to do so. But I received a phone call yesterday afternoon from an excited mammal. Come on, Sister Marlene, come on up here. Bentley, she said, Pastor, I have something I want to ask you. I said, okay. She said, we have something we want to do at church tomorrow. I said, sure, what, what is it? She said, this church has been praying. But she said, we wanted to share the answer to prayer with this church. Can we do it, Brother David? I've had a bunch of people tell me, Pastor, the day we see it happen. Brother Chris, you got this? That's my buddy. I'm talking about power to walk right, power to talk right, but power to look at infirmity and say in the name of Jesus, child, you won't always be stuck. How many of you will take this prayer right now by the hand and say in the name of Jesus, we command this work to be finished. Do you understand how mad that makes the devil? He wants to lock up our faith and make us believe that it was only for the book of Acts chapter 3. But I want to speak a word to you that I believe. I don't believe the Lord has brought us this far to leave us. I believe that there will come a day That we're going to take this young man by the hand and we're going to leap together and we're going to run together and we're going to praise God together. I believe that.
Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. We've got to get a hold of something so powerful that after the lights have been turned off and the altar call is over, that we've got the This didn't happen in the temple. It happened at the gate of the temple. They were on their way to church. Could you imagine if we got so plugged in that on the way to church, somebody stopped us and said, Hey, I've heard about your church. I've heard about your walk with God. Will you stop by my house on the way to church and pray over my depressed child that is trying to commit suicide? Will you pray over my home and my family and the demonic powers that have come against me? Will you stop by my house and pray over my backslidden husband, over my backslidden mother, over my backslidden father? Will you help me pray? I want to know today if there's anybody in the house that is not satisfied with just rise up preaching. But today your desire is to rise up and walk. If you're here today and you desire a deeper walk with God, you don't want to just be moved. You don't want exhilaration. You want to touch Jesus. And you want your life to be forever changed. And you want to walk different. And you want to talk different. I want you to come today. I want you to lift your hands to Jesus. And I want you to ask him to give you strength. To not just talk the talk. But to walk the walk.